Welcome to Spritz and Scrums, a podcast by three Benetton fans with a love for Aperol and all things Rugby Italiano. If you're bummed about Zebra coming close but no cigar and Benetton losing away from home to Leinster, it says a lot more about the recent growth of Italian rugby than you realise. There was a big thing in the 80s, it was pimps. <laughs> it was, they had cars. Are we recording were... this? That's perfect. That's going to be the intro. <laughs> and everyone, what's on this episode? <laughs> and they'll never know what it's about, but they'll listen. That's the hook. And now back to the rugby. <laughs> that was a very positive spin you put on your intro. Thank you. I actually don't think it was forced. If you think about it, all three of us were bummed after the Zebra game, and we were all pretty bummed at the end of the Leinster game. And realistically, that's because we wanted Zebra and thought Zebra could win that game. And because at the end of the first half, Benetton away from home were very much in that game against Leinster. So let's circle back to six months a year ago. That's kind of insane. Yeah, there's loads of positives there. Yeah. Now, I know we're going to talk about teams individually, but... I think because they both started so well with a try in the first like ten minutes, yeah, even less. Well, no, it was it was about one and a half minutes and two and a half minutes. Yeah, it lulled you into a, a peak. It did. Well, we'll talk but... about these two games separately, but yes, the Zebra game maybe you were lulled into a peak, the same as the Benetton one. But Zebra were ahead the entire game until about seventy minutes. Yeah, Edinburgh only took the lead for the first time, I think, in the sixty-ninth minute. That's crazy. And that was when Ben Whitehouse awarded a penalty try against them. And then they went down to 14 men with about 12 minutes to play, and it all got a bit out of hand. But then the fact that they managed to come back and still get that losing bonus point, as George Biaggi said, take points from every game and they're all adding up. They are. And that was not a weak Edinburgh side. That was a hugely strong Edinburgh side. Right, so are we talking about that game first? We might as well. We started talking about it. We'll go to the Zebra game and then we'll go to the Benetton game Fine. after. That makes sense. It was a Friday night. It, start, it, it was on first. So let's start with the Zebra one. So Zebra started and they had a monumental try one and a half minutes in, scored by their scrum half Garcia, but made by Neo from the Matrix, Simona <laughs> Jesse. A.K.A. The Eel. He's not human. His nickname is Languilla in Italian, which is The Eel. So I thought I'd let you guys know that. I think you'd you'd appreciate it. It's quite accurate. It is. Slippery, slippery man. All of it. The pass was given to him. He picked it up off his ankles. He then stepped about two people. He wriggled through about two tackles. He gassed his opposite number. He then bounced Hamish Watson as if he was nothing. And then... Finally got taken. As he was getting taken, he looked over. Great offload to Garcia, who somersaults over the line and scores. Brilliant try. We've said it, but we'll say it again. What more does that man need to do to put on an Italy shirt? Well, hopefully he's going to be there. Hopefully this is going to be his time. Because I think as soon as he does, he's going to become an international superstar. Eddie wants to invest money in him. That'd be cool, all. No, I don't. Oh. Can't you speak? <laughs> Well, they just had these things where you can invest in a player's career. And I said, oh, well, yeah. that would, if he was on it, that would be one player that I'd consider investing in. Because I reckon, as we know, player retention is a big deal for Zebra and they're pretty good at it. But as soon as he starts getting international recognition, 
I reckon there will be some French clubs circling him going, hang on, we'll have him. How can you not? I mean, just statistically, the amount of tries he scores. Yeah. Someone will want him. Yeah, not, there's not a club out there that hasn't looked at that. Yeah, apart from um, somehow Gonzalo. Yeah, strange, but he's got that X factor, hasn't he? I do think it's coming. I do think he will get a look in. But we are going to talk about the selections for the Italy side later In this on. episode. So, so. Yes. So they start strong. Very strong. Two minutes in, try out of nothing. Beautiful work by Jesse, finished off by Garcia with a little uh, a little roly-poly. I enjoyed the somersault. <laughs> Wonderfully converted by Montemarri. And in fact, that set the tone for most of the game. I thought Zebre's back row were better. In fact, across the field, I thought they looked solid. Their defence held out Edinburgh time and time and time again. Edinburgh couldn't buy a try. Yeah. Every time they were in the red zone, Zebre would push them back. Whether it's line-out defence, whether it's just open phases, eventually they would win a turnover. That just shows how good the Zebre side is compared to what they were like in the past. The fact that they're able to do that, the fact that teams aren't just getting four-try bonus points off them. Yeah. And we go over it again, that Edinburgh side that, again, Zebre were beating until about the 68th minute, that had Hamish Watson, it had Richie Gray, it had Buffelli at fullback. I think it said it had eight internationals, eight Scotland internationals in that team. Yeah, it had Ben Healy at no, 10. No, it was massive. It had, you know, it was a massive, massive team they brought to Parma. And for most of the game, they were beaten. And to be honest... They only won at the end. I'm not blaming Ben Whitehouse, but it was just a, a course of events led to Edinburgh getting that victory. Mm-hmm. Some inaccuracies from Zebra, Edinburgh capitalising, obviously, but it was just a, the course of events meant that when 80 minutes happened, the score was what it was. Yeah. I know that sounds like a stupid thing to say, but if you watch it, you'll understand because if that game was 85 minutes long, I think Zebra would have won it. It yeah. just happened that Zebre went down at the wrong part, but they were still looking like the better side. Yeah. But if you lose a second row and your scrum is a little bit under pressure, which it was, that's going to hurt you. Yeah, it was a scrappy game. And also, let's not forget that one of Edinburgh's tries was a penalty try. They also had an almost red card, which Ben decided was nothing, mm. as is his right. Uh, it was borderline. I think it could have been a, a no card, a yellow card or a red card. <laughs> Anything could have happened, and he went for no card, which I think deeply frustrated all Zebre fans. There was also another one which was very lucky not to be a red card, which was a tackle in the air, which wasn't a red card. I'm not saying it should have been a red card. I'm saying, what's his name? The fullback who played against France. It was Harry Patterson who had a brilliant game against France and the Six Nations, but he came in took Jesse out in the air. Could have been a red card, but Jesse managed, because he is the eel, to sort of somehow not land on his neck. But a normal mortal would have landed on their neck, and that would have been a red card. So this is just another one of those events that went Edinburgh's way slightly. But it was a good game. It was a thoroughly entertaining game. It was a scrappy game, and it was hammer and tong, but it was pretty entertaining. No, it was it was very entertaining. It was just frustrating. Once they got that penalty try, you just felt the momentum shift at the wrong time for Zebre. And obviously, there were a couple of penalties that were missed. But equally, thank goodness that in the end, for that final kick, in the clock was in the red, 80 minutes were up. 
Zebre give that kick to Prishantelli and well, he knocks it over. I think that's slightly mean because Montemari in the first half kicked absolutely everything. He was kicking really well. In the second half, yeah, he missed a couple of big kicks, but he was also getting a bit battered out there. And the reason he couldn't take that last kick was he was on the floor injured. Yes, and Prishantelli stepped up and it was about a 45-metre kick and he absolutely slotted it. But not easy to do if you're not the sort of game day kicker, if you're kind of just really? asked in the 80th minute to get this losing bonus point, step up and make this kick. He does. He's, he's not not their kicker. No, but he wasn't kicking in that game. No, but that's like someone saying like Thomas Albinoz or Rhino Smith or Jacob Umanga are all yeah. on the pitch. They all kick. So I know. It was just a pressure moment kick. It, it was an absolute pressure moment kick because he stepped up and he took it and if that was it. That was the end of the game. They put all their eggs in that basket to get a losing bonus point, and he absolutely nailed it. But I wouldn't have a go too much at Montemari's kicking. I mean, look, we just spoke about Garcia's try at the beginning. That couldn't have been more on the touchline, and he absolutely nailed the kick. True. That is true. Fine. I stand corrected. I think overall it was deeply frustrating. I watched it very, very drunk. I got home very late on Friday night, and Eddie had already watched it, put it on, and I was smashed, and I was very angry towards the end of that game. But it was fun for 65 minutes. I thought it was an entertaining game. And again, Zebre, at the end, they had to fight so hard to get that losing bonus point in that, yeah. those last couple of minutes. And they had a couple of cracks at the post in the last couple of minutes to get that losing bonus point. But they earned it. They absolutely earned it. They went up the pitch, they won penalty after penalty, and they took it. That's another point that they've got. They'll be disappointed they didn't win that game. But they're right in it. They're absolutely right in it with these teams. Yeah, and they're sitting 13th now in the league, which is a respectable place to be sitting in from a team that couldn't win a game last season and that was sitting rock, and I mean as rock bottom as rock bottom gets last year. Yeah, so I think, you know, if they get another win or two, which they will, this season will be counted as an absolute success for Zebre Palmer. Yeah. And a building block moving forward because... We were asked a couple of weeks ago on another podcast, is this a flash in the pan or is it just a bit of luck or what's going on? But no, they started off with a losing bonus point against Ulster and a four-try bonus point against Ulster in their first game of the season, almost beat them away. And they haven't taken a step backwards since then. They're still exactly the same. They're still going and going and going and going and going. Yeah, I think the only shame, I suppose, if we're going to like feel like, oh, that was a shame of the missed opportunities, like the Ulster game that they could have, should have won. I think the Edinburgh game is one they could have, should have won. There's been a couple where you kind of go like, oh. But equally, if you're going like, let's take sort of building block steps season by season, that's next year's goal, right? This year's goal was get a couple of wins, be competitive, not be sitting bottom of the table. So you go, okay, next season, what happens? Next season, you don't let those games that you're in to win go in the way that they have. But they're also, they're not capitulating at the end. It's not like the 80th minute, the other teams are scoring and they're losing. It's, it's reverse. What's happening is Zebra going down around 70 minutes and then they're coming back. So against Cardiff, they came back mm -hmm. and scored a try in the last play of the game to win mm -hmm. it. Against Edinburgh, they get a kick in the last play of the game to get the losing bonus point. They're the ones at the end putting the other team on for, under pressure. It's just by then, it's a little bit out of reach. Yeah. And those, as you said earlier, the sort of scores of old where Zebra would give away bonus points every game to the opposition, that's sort of a, a little bit of thing of the past. Their defence has become really serious. Their mall defence, granted they gave away a yellow card in this game yeah. for dragging down a mall, but their mall defence 
in general has been a different world to yeah. where it was last year. Yeah. So all in all, I think Zebre Palmer will be disappointed, but also they can take a lot from that because there's no shame in it. That was a really strong Edinburgh side. And they got a losing bonus point, which is much better than all the predictions had for that game. So, and that's been a consistent throughout yes. the season. Zebre Palmer have outdone almost every single prediction. So I think that game was down. Zebre Palmer were meant to lose by about 18 points. No chance. They are outperforming. No, you're right. That's um, that's another huge positive from last season. If you're beating the predictions week in, week out, you can only say that that's growth. The other thing I'm just really pleased about is that Jesse got some game time because obviously he's been in the Italy squad training for however long, but hasn't had a game. So I'm really pleased that he came back and showed what he was about. And Licata on the back of that game has been called up to the Italy squad, thoroughly well-deserved. We'll talk about the Italy squad towards the end of the podcast, but he had a fantastic game and he wasn't meant to start because he's just come back from injury, but something happened before the game and he went from the bench and started. So there we are. That game ended. Zebra Palmer 19, Edinburgh 24. Now they've got Munster away next, which is um, tough. Tall order that, isn't it? And then they have Leinster at home. Tough. <laughs> so I think what they're technically called, free shots. Yeah, go out and see what you can do. Yeah. In fact, when they try and do the Leinster Zebra predictions, the algorithm might explode. <laughs> but those are the tests. But they are free shots because no one expects Zebra Palmer to win those games. No one expects Zebra Palmer to take anything from those games. And that's not being rude or mean. That's just what the sporting world would look at that as. So they are free shots. They're time for Zebre Palmer either to front up and really make history and do something super special. And they're also an opportunity for Zebre Palmer to try something in what is really actually a no pressure game. Yeah. The only pressure is the pressure they put on themselves because no one else is expecting them to, to do anything in those games. So it's a massive opportunity. Although they did, if we go back to the beginning of last season, it was Leinster at home in that opening game that they very much played to the very very end there that was obviously a, a, a pause every season overall but that opening game they almost took them a bit like the opening game this year with Ulster it was down to the minute so who knows if they can do it again and they'll think oh gosh last time we had them at home we nearly took it let's try and take them who knows guys it's you can be optimistic but yeah I'd say go out and have fun. And there's another point other people have said to us, you know, maybe this season would be like last season that Zebra Palmer started really strong and then completely fell off last season. But this season, no. As I said, it's been steady. And they have been closing out games and they've been winning some games quite comfortably. They've won three and they've drawn one in all competitions. They've made it to the knockout of European Challenge Cup. And with a bit of luck, they could have got more than that. They're well, they're a team worth watching now and they play very entertaining rugby. Super entertaining rugby. And look, let's be honest, if the season ended tomorrow and this was where we were at, I don't think anybody could turn around and say anything other than this is a huge improvement on last year. Yes. I think so. I think if they can finish the season in 13th, it would be a very successful yeah. season. I would like them to get at least another win, but it's tricky. Well, it's not that tricky. Isn't it tricky because don't they have... Uh, they've got a couple of tough games and then they've got two tough games but they've also got the scarlets still to play and oh, they've got the dragons yeah, still getting, to play yeah, so yeah 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 true great i mean that's not that they're easy i'm not saying those two teams are easy but they're they are in what i would call the same category of the table at the minute they're all fighting for the same places it's yeah. not all monster away yeah very true yeah 
what better way of training for those games than playing Monster and Leinster? That there's a lot in that. There's a lot in that. Yeah. Play against the yeah. best. Go to these places. Give it your all. Throw moves you wouldn't normally move, throw. Absolutely. Go for it. Enjoy. And speaking about going to those places, that's exactly what the other Italian franchise did this week. They were at the RDS playing Leinster. And unfortunately for Benetton, it didn't quite go as they had planned. It was billed as the first place in the BKTURC versus the second place in the BKTURC. Unfortunately, at the end of the game, they were no longer first and second place. However, at the end of the first half, it very much felt like a first v second place in the BKTURC. Benetton scored a try about two minutes in and it was a wonderful, beautiful try scored by Mendy down the right wing after some wonderful hands from Jacob Umanga. It was a beautiful start and they were off. They were at the races. However, didn't continue that way. Their defence let them down on several occasions and I've watched it back and sometimes it was just fairly not unforgivable in an actual real world unforgivable <laughs> way but in the sort of casual loose with language sporting way slightly unforgivable defense it is Leinster though but yeah some of those holes were were a bit too big weren't they Leinster were faster on it I mean granted the it was raining before the game the first half didn't rain yeah. but it was obviously really slippery and then the second half it was pissing it down and they were slipping and sliding all over the place the grass looked way too slippery and i you don't normally see pitches that slippery so obviously that played into leinster's hands a bit but yeah leinster were faster off it they they, they were they, they were just a little bit sharper they were sharper at what's going on i mean the try that their scrum half scored that should never ever be scored against a decent side some of their tries were wonderful though I mean, yeah. there, there was one bit, I think it was Stockdale did hands, but the try about 70 minutes in and those hands, I could watch them all day long. A no look pass under the posts, drew the man, no look pass, boom, in. Wonderful. The tries that they scored were from set piece. So you can't be angry at them too much, but they designed those moves to create space. It's just Benetton fell for them a little bit too easily there. But I think you should always be slightly suspect when there's a first phase try. And, you know, there was one that was a clear first phase try. There was a scrum on the right-hand side of the pitch and it was a Leinster centre who burst through and went the length of the distance. He had three Benetton players hanging off him by the time he got to the try line. But by then the damage was done. You know, when you're playing against Leinster, they're so quick and they're so clinical. Those clean breaks, they'll punish you. They'll finish them. It is what it is. <laughs> by the T-shirt. Yeah. The conditions in the first half, although the pitch was slippery, and I want to say I really appreciate you using the word slippery and not slippy, which is my new pet hate word, because it's not a word, but everyone says, oh, really slippy conditions. Slippy is not a word. It's slippery. The pitch was slippery. <laughs> Don't look at me like that. <laughs> However, it looked really sunny. And so the conditions were such that Benetton could still go out and play because it wasn't that kind of gross you know, Englishy, Irishy rain, but just sort of perennially drizzly, you know, the rain that we are used to that never goes away and just sort of gets in the way of everything. And you don't think you're really getting wet. And then by the end, you're like soaked through because, yeah, anyway, sorry. Um, the conditions are such that in the first half they could play, in the second half, 
it was obviously Leinster's ducky, ducky, rainy conditions that meant that they could still have fun and we couldn't. And Benetton were trying to win it, so they started to push a little bit in the second half in those bad conditions, which again just played into Leinster's hands because yeah. Leinster just sucked that all up, sucked up all the mistakes and then threw it back at Benetton. Benetton didn't score a single point, I don't think, in the second half. No, the halftime score was 21-18 and the full-time score was 47-18. So there's a lot that they'll be deeply frustrated with that. They showed what they can do, they showed how good they can be, and they also showed how bad they can be <laughs> all in the same game. Yeah. But, you know, remember that their internationals were away. They're missing, you know, there's about 17 players who are in the Italian camp. Some of them were lent back, but most of them were kept. So it wasn't everyone they had. It wasn't their best side, but it was still a really decent side because I mean, of even... their depth. And I thought it was a side that could have, should have done it. And I think they will think it's a side that could have, should have done it. But there we go. Even in the first half, even though we're saying in the first half, Benetton had a great first half, they hemorrhaged a lot of scrums. The scrum was an issue in that first half. I don't want to single out Pasquale, but he was clearly the cause of a lot of penalties. There in he is. That He's first looking half. at us on this front of this program. What an attractive man. <laughs> Very attractive man, but he was slipping on that grass when it came to scrum time. Not slippering. <laughs> slipping is correct in that context. <laughs> but what does that mean? What does this game mean? So Benetton were second, Leinster were first. After all of this, Leinster are still first. Benetton are now fourth. But they've joined the melee. They've joined a group of teams which are all now fighting it out. If they won against Leinster, they would have been well and truly ahead. But they're not. They're in this group. And they've got some difficult games in the rest of the season. But their next game is at home against Glasgow, which is a huge game because Glasgow are now second. So that will be fourth place versus second place. But if Benetton can win that, they will be well and truly on their way to getting what they need, which is home playoffs. It's not good enough just to get playoffs. I mean, I'll take it if it happens, but they'll be aiming to have teams travel to Manigo. Obviously, that Glasgow game is still during the Six Nations, so we're still going to be absent many a player. But so it's are Glasgow. At home. Yeah, and it's at home. So let's see if the Benetton guys without the internationals can keep that fortress strong. I'm confident. Yeah, me too. There was a lot of stuff they did in that game, which was really, really good. But it's just, again, when you're playing against a really solid side like Leinster and anyone that puts on the blue shirt of Leinster is good enough, they could fill up two international sides and still have players that are good enough. They just have them hanging around. It's absolutely ridiculous, actually, how these guys get not much game time, but they still want to be there just to wear the Leinster training shirt. I don't understand it, but apparently there's a lot of pride in that region. <laughs> what do you mean you don't understand it? Well, because I, I always thought, you know, it'd be, I, would, I would rather be playing for Connacht than be the fourth choice scrum half for Leinster. But apparently that's not the case with lots of these guys. They do just want to be playing for their local region. Also, is it because it's Leinster? Is it the same the other way around? Do you see what I mean? Do you want to be the fourth choice scrum half for Connacht rather than be... No, it's... A, like the third or the second for Leinster. I think for lots of these people, it's Leinster or bust. Yeah, but you kind of see why. I mean, coach, you you said a couple of weeks ago that your dad was watching a Leinster game and you came in, you're like, oh, we play them in a couple of weeks. And he was like, good luck. Yeah, I mean, Leinster are royalty, especially when in Ireland, because it's their third sport. Rugby is their third sport. 
there's hurling, Gaelic, and then rugby. So for a small country to be that good at a sport that is their third sport is pretty damn impressive. But yeah, it's either Leinster or Munster. I mean, Connor, obviously, great. but Maybe I'm getting this wrong, but I think whoever got player of the match in the Benetton-Leinster game was a player who used to be a hurling player who basically had to make the choice between hurling and rugby and sort of as of a couple of years ago made the choice to go to rugby and I was like oh I wonder how many transferable skills you have from one to the other cardio <laughs> um, you can take a hit they can run for days but yeah there's no money in it most of them are, they get like sponsored by having a job in the local town so there's more money in rugby yeah I'd say so and also a lot of them go from Gaelic football to Aussie rules because there's more money uh... in that so there is a hemorrhage. So it's not like they go and move into rugby. They go, those people can also go off and to other careers, which makes their rugby prowess pretty spectacular considering. Yeah. Look, I thought there were overall beautiful moments from Benetton in that game. We didn't even mention the Ratave hit that we felt like it broke our TV. Yeah, yeah. No. Massive tackle. Massive tackle. There was a humongous, just after that, I think there was a humongous counter ruck that unfortunately I think through the melee they didn't manage to kind of retain possession on. But really, like they did do some great, great work. Over the breakdown, the support was amazing. Like they they were on it through a lot. It was just in a lot of the Leinster tries, seeing those massive gaps. But again, if we're being fair, it's also credit. To the attacking team that they created those massive gaps. Also slippery underfoot and if Leinster are good enough to capitalise on that, yeah, the that slight hesitation, that slight not being able to dig in or get off your line or all of that plays into it. Leinster were absolutely capitalising on that. I thought someone who had a great game, Zanon, had a great game. Wonderful offload for one of the tries. But he was also the one who gathered that restart because Leinster missed that restart and he basically was there to gather that, which then created that try and then led to his offload um, over to Mundy again, very close to the end of the first half. But I also want to give a shout out, I think, to Jacob. I thought Jacob had a great game, even though he got yellow carded in the last three seconds of the game. Yeah, but you can see his logic. I can see his logic. forgot what sport he was playing. (laughs) Yeah, but I'm so, I, I actually really appreciate the commitment to that yellow card. Realistically, he was never going to get that ball. So it was definitely a yellow card. However, what I do think it did was it stopped that final score creeping into the 50s. Yeah. So it was an, a deliberate knock-on. But to get this deliberate <laughs> knock-on, he had to sprint forward to a ball he was never going to catch. And then he jumped up as if he was Michael Jordan trying to do a slam dunk because that's how high this ball was in the air. <laughs> And then he sort of spiked it forward like he was playing volleyball. Yeah. Three sports in one, maybe four. There, there was covering defence, so it, was, it wasn't going to be a penalty try, but it was a yellow card and it was about 79, no, yeah, yeah. about 79 minutes in. I loved how for a split second he protested it. Did he? I didn't see. Like, <laughs> you know exactly what you're doing. <laughs> Everyone was... on this pitch knows exactly what you were doing then. It was great. No, I thought, and I thought overall he had a great game. Some of the, the the opportunities that he created, the delayed passes he was giving to create those gaps to score those couple of tries, like he was, he he's just he's just a joy to watch. I think in Benetton, white and green this season, um, and also we forget that massive kick he did. Yeah, even the commentators were a bit, were impressed with that one from within our own half. And he knew he could do it voluntarily. Yeah, Jacob. 
So, yeah, I think there's lots that can be taken from that game. Unfortunately, I think it was a opportunity missed, but the conditions also what happens with these things which is bloody annoying is if you find yourself behind chasing a game and then it starts raining yeah. it becomes doubly difficult to chase that score down yeah. and you start chasing that means you're trying to do more than you would normally yeah. do you make errors and then Leinster were there just to soak up the mistakes play their game quite casually yeah they played at a million miles an hour as to be expected and then Benetton... because they've got the bu- the buffer advantage anyway they can soak up the mistakes and and play their own game without too much hesitation or thought towards like the issues. And that I they think might when, have. when the game got out of reach, I do think Benetton's heads went down. In fact, it was clear their heads went down because one, they conceded a ton of tries which they wouldn't normally concede, and then you look at the Jacob Umanga yellow card, and you also look at the Fekatoa hit where he just decided that we're not going to win the game. I'm just going to kill this guy (laughs) and got away with it. But try that was that was a perfect example of doing something out of frustration. He was clearly so annoyed that they'd let that game go. And that was just like, I've got all this energy and I'm just going to smash this guy, even though I know it's wrong and I would never normally do this. Yes, that was borderline late and borderline (laughs) no arms. But it was no arms. But he only gave away a penalty for it, which, again, is Holly's right. (laughs) Some referees might have seen that differently. Yeah, no, their heads did go down. I mean, the one thing I would say, again, we say unforgivable in a sporting context, unforgivable. Obviously, we forgive them. We've seen it a couple of times this season from Benetton. Missing kicks to touch. It's happened a lot this season, and it needs to stop happened a fair bit at the end of last season it needs to stop i like if i'm the coach i'm like this is it it's it's unforgivable if you get a penalty that needs to go dead you need to do that you need to give yourselves the opportunity for a line out sorry and specifically what i mean by missing kicks to touch is when i where it's not even that they're missing it they're literally kicking them beyond the try line dead so that they're then having to claw all the way back yeah for a scrum it's not good stop doing that well if they're listening to this i think they've been told but there we are so benetton lost to leinster away in dublin 47 18 ouch but their plans for the season are still very much a go yeah that doesn't change anything that wasn't a game that the world expected them to win the only people that expected them to win were themselves and us and us well i thought i didn't expect but i thought they could do and they 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 sent a team that could yeah and then yeah as we said zebra palmer against edinburgh beat all expectations with how well they done they'll be disappointed they didn't win as we said they were ahead for 70 minutes and then the last 10 minutes edinburgh managed to snatch the lead off them but that's the rugby for this week and now we go to the six nations again where france are playing Italy in Lille, the north of France, which we could have, should have arranged to go to, but we didn't. It's a shame. If they do it again, will they be there next year? No, they'll be back in Paris next year. Back in Paris. The Six Nations is back. Have you missed it, coach? Yes, I love the Six Nations, but we did have those two good games this weekend. Yeah, yeah. no, you're right. It wasn't, it didn't feel like an empty weekend where you're sitting around going, oh, there's absolutely no rugby on. No, I was very excited. Friday night, I have a few beers, watch the game, and then you got. Benetton the next day playing a massive club. So I did enjoy it. I don't know if the next is there another there's no more gaps, is there? There's one more gap, isn't there? In the one more gap. 
Yeah. Yeah. But there's again URC, so we're we're all good. So yeah, maybe it works out if Benetton keep winning those few games. I'll enjoy those weekends even more. But yes, Six Nations is back and everyone's excited about the game because we all know the history between those two. For some reason, they seem to just slip up against Italy. So fingers crossed, I guess. I mean, I'm not having the best Six Nations. No. And Italy have got a point to prove this time as well because obviously France demolished them in the World Cup. Different side for both teams. And I think Italy looking good and France are obviously not looking great and they're under a bit of pressure. Interestingly, for selection purposes, Casado has said that he's going to start Martin Pedrello. He's basically said that because he told each one of his three scrum halves that they were going to start. And he said Martin Pedrello is probably going to start against France because he plays in France and he knows how the French play. Interestingly, a bunch of the Italian players play in France. Monti Ioni, he's going to start almost definitely. He always does. But the one I think might be interesting is Federico Mori has basically had two man-of-the-match performances the last two times he's put on a Bayonne shirt. He plays in France, so is this an opportunity for him to start for Italy as he plays in France? He knows how French rugby works. He lives there. Is it a chance for him to start? I put it to you over who? Well, it's a big question, isn't it? I mean, in my mind, if you, ha- if you have to start him, if your plan is to start him and you have to start him, it would have to be in the place of Brax. Yeah, I don't think they're going to start him. I think they'll bring him I on. I don't think they're going to start him. I think they'll bring him on. Because also, in these games, he hasn't been starting. He... Not for Italy, but for Bayonne he has. He's been wearing the 12 shirt for Bayonne. It's hard to see why you would take Brex off in any capacity. Yeah. Fine. So he'd be behind Brex and Menoncello. But, you know... But he's, he's there. He's... Oh, he's definitely playing. I don't see him not playing. Obviously, Tommaso Allen is taking a break. Yeah, I think for mental health reasons or whatever reasons, we wish him well and understand how stressful the Six Nations is for us, let alone for him. And also the fact that he's just not had a break. He's, you know, he played all of the um, World Cup, all of this. Like, he's not had any time off, really, and has moved country in the meantime. And I get it. He's got a one-year-old. He's also, obviously, one of the most experienced players that Italy have got. Yeah. In fact, I think the most experienced player Italy have got. So... They are missing a lot with him gone, but it opens an opportunity. Lewis Liner has just come in from (laughs) Harlequins. He's now with the Italian squad and he has committed himself not just to Benetton, but also to Italian rugby by the looks of it. But do you play him instead of Simona Jesse? Is that fair? Is that fair? Can we just say how quick news works? Like, I feel like we're living in a 24 hour sports news cycle last week. We literally reported that Lewis Liner had just signed for Benetton and we were like, oh, so I guess we'll see him within the year playing for Italy. No, guys, within a couple of days, he's been called up. Is it fair for him to start over Simone Jesse? I would say no, not just because he's just come in, but also just because of form. Form. For me, it's form. Well, Lewis Liner's playing really well, but... The only thing that I could say is potentially if Casada thinks his defence is stronger than Simona Jesse, that could be it because defence is obviously key in international rugby. However, I do think they are going to have to let Jesse have a go. Look what he did against Edinburgh. Look what he's doing in every game. Let's yeah. put him outside Menoncello and see what he can do. Let's yeah. actually put him outside some players who are able to really give him that go forward ball and let him crack. And then when he does his breaks, how exciting to see Monty or Capuzzo around him. So 
absolutely i would love to see it love 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 to see it me too the only tricky thing is that obviously and we sort of discussed this i don't know if we've discussed this on the pod or just like privately in our own whatsapps or whatever but capozzo is small jesse isn't massive can you have both of them sort of fall back and wing on the pitch at the same time like to me having a jesse on would make more sense with a tommy allen fullback i'm not sure a capozzo jesse pairing is I think, makes the most sense i think there's not much in them i think they're very very similar players i don't know i think with that record, but no that's my point they are but that's my point they're both very small so defensively can you ha- can you justify having a Caporzo and a Jesse on at the same Caporzo time? Caporzo makes his tackles, yeah. but obviously he's not pushing people back. I yeah. I think you can, but then the selection becomes really tricky, right? So let's just look at the backs. Assume he's going to do a five-three. Okay, so you're going to have a scrum half on the bench, which means you're going to have two backs on the bench, not including the scrum half. So Martin Pedrello starts. Let's assume it's Alessandro Garbisi is the other scrum half. For the sake of this conversation, it doesn't really matter. Then obviously you've got Paolo Garbisi starting at 10. You've got Brex. You've got Menoncello. You've got Montioni nailed on. And you've probably got Capuozzo. Again, because he plays in France, that helps. Either on the wing or at fullback. Your options are now. You've got one spare position on the pitch mm-hmm. and two positions on the bench which need filling. If you put jesse on the other wing really exciting you've then got two positions on the bench if you put federico mori on the bench he can cover center and he can cover the wing and then the other person on the bench if you put lorenzo pani he can cover fullback winger he can probably cover anything worst case scenario you're struggling for a 10 can he do that i don't know but then if you want to have a backup 10, then you're talking about putting Marin in. And that seems, by putting him in, you're losing a really key part somewhere else. It's a gamble. Marin is good defensively, though. Marin's a decent player. He's but, just not but, had loads of game time. But he, unless Garbisi injures himself, you're never putting Marin on instead of Garbisi. So then you yeah. just have this player and it's basically Deadwood sitting on the bench. Mm-hmm. So what are we doing? What are you picking? I think you should have a replacement for 10. You can start Garbisi, but you have a replacement for him. What's frustrating with this a little bit is that if they had Alessandro Fusco in the squad, mm-hmm. he does it. Then yeah. you're covered. Like You have not the best 10 in the world. He's a scrum half who can play 10. But for that really disastrous situation where Garbisi yeah. has to go off injured, you've got someone who can slip into that position. We aren't even giving Zanon a look in here, and Zanon had a great game, I thought, against Leinster for the most. I part. would, I would target Garbisi if I was France, because if you take him out of the game, you've you've taken a cornerstone out of the in Italy setup there. Oh yeah. So I, you need you need a replacement just in case. Even if he just sprains an ankle, I don't know. But well, I think you then you're going to have to have Lorenzo Pani. Lorenzo Pani then. It's not ideal, but he's your insur- your insurance policy. And I'd rather have Lorenzo Pani at 10 insurance policy than having an out-and-out out 10 who you're never going to use. Fine. Yeah. Okay. And so you're starting... I can't, I'm not starting Lorenzo no, Pani. No, he's on the bench. But so your back three become Monty, Jesse Capozzo? Electric. Yeah. I would do that as well. Yeah, but... It's uh, a high risk. It's a high risk, guys. Yeah, but I understand, like, 
as a more statured man myself, and I know that I know the game has gone that way, and the George Norse of the world being wingers. But if you're fast and you score like Jesse does, that's his job as a winger. It's more for like they could target it with high ball. Maybe they run at him a bit more. But I think he'll. I think he's. He's amazing under a high ball. He's amazing yeah. under a high ball. So I don't. It's only. Problem. It's only defensively. Sometimes there could be issues. Yeah. But then look, he tackled Buffelli really yeah. well. At the weekend, when Buffelli thought he was clean through to score a try, and, and Simona Jesse, yeah, took him look, down. I would have him. I'd I have think he's him. done enough. He, if, if he hasn't done enough, then I think there's an injustice Fine. in the world. And as you said, he's a he's a try scorer, and it will give France something to really think about if they've got those three running at them. Fine, and then your mm-hmm. your bench back your backs for the bench are whoever your second choice scrum half is, plus Panny and Maury. And also, that's a team for the future. So even if it doesn't go that well in Lille and I'm sure it will I'm sure Italy are going to win but if it was a bad day at the office say that is a side where you haven't wasted an opportunity to give these guys a Six Nations game yeah look and even if the next time they play a Six Nations game is this Six Nations against Scotland or Wales Mm -hmm. they're already experienced and I think it's fair to go with that over as much as I'm excited about Lewis Liner, I just I, d- I think it would be a little bit mad to have him on the bench or even starting this weekend. That feels too soon. Yeah, because interestingly, there might be a rush to try and cap him because they want to lock him in because he's eligible for England, Australia and Italy. But since he's signing for Benetton, he won't be able to play for England because he won't be playing in the Premiership. Yeah, but also you can cap him towards the end of the Six Nations for like a minute, get him on, like, or, or not even a minute, put him on like against Scotland or against Wales. I just think he literally joined the camp like four days ago. It'll be a couple of weeks. He's not going to fly to Australia and then suddenly play a game for Australia. So I think... Also, I think, I, think it's, I think it's wrong. I think it's, um, I don't think it puts him in the right frame of mind and I don't think it would put the side in the right frame of mind for someone just to sort of parachute in and immediately take that spot. I think it comes too easy. You've got to work for it. Yeah. Yeah. And Simona Jesse has been working for it. He's been in that camp for two weeks. He went back to Zebre. They were waxing lyrical over him in the punditry box at halftime and at full time. Deservedly so. So 100% now is the time. Cometh the hour, cometh the man. It's time for Simona Jesse to get given the opportunity to show the world what he can do. Let's do it. Agreed. And look, when we see him play, he surprises us all the time <laughs> and we know what to expect. And I would love for the rugby world at large that maybe don't watch all the Zebre Palmer games <laughs> to suddenly go, who the hell is this guy? Yeah. In the same way that they did, what, two years ago when Capozzo broke onto the Italy scene. Runs like he's running away from the police. <laughs> I'm not sure how big the kicking opportunity is there if you have those three in the back three, though. There's no massive boots there. Obviously, Pani has a big boot. But they haven't been using that, so... I do want to say it's actually, if we think about it, shocking how used to having Tommy Allen in the back three we have gotten. Because a year ago, he was a 10 and we were questioning anyone who tried him in the back three. And now we're scrambling to try and put together a decent back three without him. Well, I think it was, yeah, it was the summer of last year. Was it against Samoa? He played his first game at 15. I think it was. I think it was against Samoa. He played his first game at 15 and he'd played twice 
for Harlequins at fullback mm. before that. And I remember Austin Healy saying Tommy mm. Alley is a great flyer half, not a good fullback yes. in his first game. And then it all completely changed. He learned really quickly yeah. and suddenly turned into an absolutely fantastic fullback. I think so cool. Isn't that so cool? And again, much younger than us, but realistically quite old for a rugby player to make that shift in the last year. He's 30. To have like basically changed position at the age of 30 at an international level to the point that we're sitting here scrambling for like how we make up the loss of him. I think that's huge, huge credit to him. He's really blossomed into a superb rugby player in the last year. I also think because he is such a team player as well, he wouldn't have taken this leave of absence if he didn't see people that he thought could do a really good job. That's a really good point. I don't think he would do that to the Italian show. I think he would suffer through it. Yeah, I, I know that he would, he would suffer through it. So I think he's doing this because he knows that there are options that can come in Different styles, but people who can play well, which obviously there are because we're here talking about it. And yeah, as far as we're concerned, Lewis Lyon is not getting picked. And let's just hope that Gobbezi's got his kicking boots on. There we are. Oh, one more thing, obviously, in terms of the Italian squad. Giovanni Lacata, the Zebre Palmer captain, played an excellent game against Edinburgh and he has been called into the squad. And I would love to see him playing for the Azuri this week. I think he's class. I think he's underrated. I think he does a wonderful job as Ebre Palmer. He's also, from when we were there, possibly my second best friend now. <laughs> I think it would go Hoggy, <laughs> Licata. Then it would be a toss-up between my mate George and Gory for my third best friends. But, you know, so he's definitely in there. Like, if I was getting married again for the second time... Lakata would be a groomsman. Hoggy best man. Imagine the stag do. Yeah, good. <laughs> would he be invited to the stag do? Uh, Hoggy's never met him. And Hoggy's quite protective. <laughs> yeah, Lakata's great. Just a real captain's captain. Lovely, lovely man. And a superb rugby player. So yeah, let's hope that he gets a look in at some point in the Six Nations. Because that would be great. And there we are. What made Coach mad? I haven't got one. <laughs> Sorry. I haven't got anything. Life's been good. Is that because you're, you haven't prepared, you haven't done your homework, you're compety, well, or I is don't... that because you're actually happy this week? Yeah, I, I do look forward to these segments, obviously. But <laughs> It's an opportunity for you to vent every week, so, right? Yeah, it gives me, gives me something to say. Yeah. But you're not, you're not angry. I haven't that... got anything. What about Trump being fined about $400 million <laughs> and banned from owning a business in New York? You're fine with that? Uh, he'll get out of that. <laughs> he'll appeal it, won't he? Can he really not own a business in New York? What's he going to do with Trump Tower? I don't know. Well, yeah, yeah no, he has been banned from owning a business for three years, I think. Wow. Okay. He'll well, just so... wait it out, harden himself in November. <laughs> Listen to this you heard it here first. Oh, God. This podcast does not endorse Don. I want to make that super clear to I the do. listener. Shut up. I endorse it. Shut up. And if you've learned anything from Coach's Fantasy League, it's that he can tell the future. <laughs> Sitting rock bottom. Fine. Well, you're not mad. That makes me happy. He did, however, send me this that I think I'm going to play for everyone half an hour before starting this recording. Um, this is what Coach had to say on Instagram. He posted a reel uh, captioned me after spending approximately 37 seconds at work. 
any time somebody tells me to do something, I'm going to say, fuck off. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I've realised that... That's actually my voice. <laughs> it's my classic middle-aged woman. You were in sex education? Fine. So there's nothing that made him mad this week. Guys, he's a happy, happy man. Well, in place of what made Coach mad, I will play you this. I have been poorly, I've been unwell, and I listened to the Ospreys Ulster game on the radio. Didn't watch it, just listened to it lying in bed. And I thought this was just the most wonderful, it's not about Italian rugby, it's just rugby, the most wonderful bit of radio commentary. Sit back and enjoy. Uh, 24 years of age, up he comes, on halfway. He's got under that, that's going to carry, it's going to hang. Oh, he's nailed it. Oh, my good Lord in sweet heaven. What a kick by Jake Flannery. Inside his own half, right between the Osprey's post. It just fell over like a drunken sailor on a Saturday night, but it didn't matter. It was an absolute belter. You could watch that forever, and he probably will. (laughs) I thought that was joyful. He wasn't so happy a couple of minutes later when... Osprey's got a drop goal and won the game. Oh my gosh. That's great commentary. That is great you can commentary. Hit, you can smell the alcohol on that man's voice. <laughs> I, it's just a beautiful, beautiful thing. It's a lovely, cosy rugby. Oh, rugby. Oh. Right, well, there we are. Do check out our social medias. Like, share, subscribe. Oh, yes. On that note, we apologise for the delay to the 2000 Instagram follower celebration. Coach has yet to finish recording the amazing it was raining i'm fine he's playing the rain let's do it on thursday man doesn't get wet all this weekend i haven't decided no shut the thursday thursday in his lunch break he has promised he's gonna go and record this so if you don't already follow us on instagram get your eyes on that instagram on thursday no pressure it'll be the weekend come rain or shine you will record on thursday lunch i know why tomaso allen's taking a leave because I put that video up on Instagram that's had over a million views of him scoring a try. And now he thinks, can't top that million views. Oh. I'm going to call it a day. It's an interesting spin on mental health, is he? Should we want to commit to that one? You shut up and go and do your flip. <laughs> Psychology is free. I mean, some of the comments are literally like, who just runs and kicks a ball? Honestly, though, being a professional rugby player, it sounds like that. But actually, put yourself in the mind where, like, that is your job. It's relentless. You cannot get out of it. Every week, you have to put yourself in that physical position. Every week, you have to do it at 110% because that's what the job demands. There is no getting out of it. There is no way out of it. You have to do it. There's no calling in sick. I understand. And then on top of that, the pressure. You know, the pressure that we feel when we watch Italy play mm-hmm. and they lose. It's just the pressure of like, even like, you know, when we do our, like, you know, a mini PR battle to sort of defend them. Imagine actually being on the front of that, one of the players involved in it. Whoa, it must be exhausting. Yeah. And, you know, he's been around, he's done it all. So if he's saying he needs a bit of a breather, then the man needs a bit of a breather. And at least when he's getting his bit of a breather, he can watch my relaxing video with some lovely music of him scoring a try, which has had one million views. I think it's 1.1, maybe 1.2. Maybe 1.2 million views. So, onwards and upwards. Grazie mille. Thank you for listening. We'll be back next week. Bye. Ciao a tutti.